0: I want
1: to, like, I'm trying to, like, search for, like, a line that's, like, both funny, like, like, a non-divisive funny line from this movie, but also one that doesn't necessarily speak to, like, our current woes.
0: Like, blessed are the cheese makers.
1: <laughs> oh, like, clearly it refers to any manufacturer of dairy products. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Movies We Dig, the podcast about antiquity, film, and everything in between. I'm Colin McCormick.
0: And I'm Elijah Fleming.
1: Today we'll be talking about Life of Brian, the 1979 British comedy set in Roman Judea, written by and starring the members of Monty Python. I think also I just had this thing in my voice where like, I tend to drop at the end of sentences. Like, I kind of ramble off and go down, and then it makes it like I, I hear it in the editing room. And I'm like, God, they, stop doing that, Colin.
0: Uh, but yeah, okay. It,
1: your own voice. Oh, it's the worst. You hear all the ticks and all the Mm-mm. ums, all yep. the butts, all the time you like smack your lips together. Like, 90% it. of editing these things is just like taking out the like
0: <laughs> and like that
1: kind of stuff. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, let's. Uh, we we I have like some. I have I have a lot of thoughts on this movie, and I think a lot of a lot of people have had a lot of thoughts about this movie in the past forty years. For sure, it just hit a, it just had its fortieth anniversary like last year, or something yeah, it like did. that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, before we get into that, Eli, as we usual, do you dig this movie, and how did you uncover it?
0: I do dig this movie. I think this movie is hilarious and surprising and sort of every time I watch it, I find new things that make me laugh um, or that make me think about things. Um, And I don't think I appreciated it when I first saw it. I think I watched it in high school because like everybody was really into Monty Python in high school. Right. It was Mm -hmm. like, Holy Grail was was the funny, like weird hipster thing that you would watch Mm and quote and Um, I remember watching Life of Brian and being like, I guess it was okay. It was kind of boring, but every Mm. time that I have watched it since, I I appreciate it more.
1: Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I also, I dig this movie. I think it is hilarious. I still... A lot of the jokes i think like you said it's kind of it's 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 remained strangely current yeah. in a way that not a lot of, like and we were talking about particularly with like funny thing happened to the way of the forum like had the tendency that a lot of comedy tends to get dated really quick yeah. and that's not to say that there isn't there aren't parts of this movie that are that have maybe aged a little yeah, weird a little or have aged.
0: yeah yeah
1: there's some there's like a few but it's 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 i would say it's a sort of handful and i think this movie is smart enough that there's like there's always like a little bit of a the, it's 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 not necessarily just as simple as like kind of crude or, or punching down all, yeah. all the time, but yeah, I I'm trying to think about when I first because I was I was trying to remember the other day when I first saw this movie and it was I can't actually remember because like you said it was it must have been I saw Holy Grail that was like my first exposure same. to Monty Python probably yeah. a probably about the same age as you like I would say like middle school high school something yeah, like that for sure loved it thought it was hilarious. I remember "Life of Brian" had a kind of a weird stigma because I was actually just talking to my mom the other, like, just bef- like earlier today, and she was like, "I never liked that movie." <laughs> and tellingly, my mom of of members of my family is the was the most uh, religious, religiously inclined. She grew up in sort of a sure. Portuguese Catholic yeah. family, and so that movie, I mean, that we we can talk about. This movie has a big stigma on it among it that has it sort of been dealing with. And then I think we want to get into this. I think like the religious element sort of overshadows a lot of mm-hmm. other elements and critiques that this movie has and is making. And, and I think it sort of blows out of proportion because this movie isn't necessarily just a religious criticism. And i, I yeah. we we're going to talk about that, but mm-hmm. I really want to also kind of shy away from that because I think that's been tread over and over again in interviews yeah. and thought, think pieces and stuff. So we'll touch on it, but I really want to get to kind of the other non-religious aspects of this movie that I think
0: yeah.
1: are super interesting. Yeah. But oh, so to, but even like to continue my my sort of stories, I don't really remember when I saw this film for the first time. But it must have I must have been young enough because I remember being a little bit startled, maybe, for lack of a better word, with the with full frontal nudity yep, um, yep, of both men yep, and women. Yep.
0: Uh, <laughs> and
1: that, took, that definitely, like, took me by surprise in a way that, like, I was like... Like,
0: oh, okay.
1: So I must have been young enough that, like, that would have been, like, a, I was like, I, should I
0: be watching this? Yeah, um, exactly.
1: <laughs> So, which in my mind would have made me... That pro- I probably must have been something like 14 to 16 or something, like, in yeah. that range.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, yeah, but I think now, I would say... This is my favorite of the Monty Python films. I think today for a couple of reasons. One, because it kind of it it sort of goes where where we live. Like there's sort of professional overlap. But I think it's I think it's kind of the I want to say the smartest. Like Holy Grail is a f- sort of glib take yeah. on Arthur and Arthurian legend, and it kind of like it, it you know it's got it's just kind of making fun of like the 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 austerity or the the epic or the the sort of romance the, you know the arthur romance and that kind of mm. thing like britain's mythic mythic history right because I, I just revisited it because i was thinking i had monty python <laughs> on the brain i was thinking of the scene where where the peasants and then and arthur is like oh, well yeah. like i was gift i was gifted <laughs> the sword by the lady of the lake when she arose to me clad in the finest samite like, extended and thus signified that by divine right i am your king and they're like well, i didn't vote for you <laughs> and like the whole like the irreverency for yeah. like medieval legend in that and the idea so just like a little sort of i guess background maybe before we get into this is Mm. the the troupe had the sort of great success with the holy grail Um, well and
0: the flying circus
1: yes and obviously before that the the uh, flying circus sort of sketch comedy all the scenarios
0: and i would argue that like holy grail really pulls a lot more from sketch and like little vignettes than any sort of overarching narrative yes and yeah that's maybe where i like life of brian more now because it is one story kind of like there are little pieces that become those Mm -hmm. little vignettes but it is a narrative
1: yeah that's the like i was literally just just about to go there because like yeah these guys sort of originate from sort of brief sketch comedy and and holy grail plays like that like it's sort of a series of more or less independent things like you could you could really put all of the different scenes in yeah. holy grail in any order and it doesn't really matter like there's an overarching narrative of finding the grail but it's kind of whatever and like even like the film itself kind of acknowledges this because it has this sort of narrative breakdown like towards yeah. the end we're like i think they themselves were uncertain of how to end the film so they're just yep. like and i think they went over budget and they're just like we can't have like there maybe was going to be some <laughs> huge battle or something like that and then they're just like we can't do that and we don't know how to end it so uh the cops show up and uh <laughs> just like tear the set and like that's a yeah. uh, I forget what the frame what that what that is in, in theater but that's like that's like a trope in sort of like particularly stage production where you end the, the play by just like all the, the crew and, 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 uh, stage hands and stuff come out and just literally tear the set down right in front of you. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's one of the reasons I like whole uh, life of Brian Moore because it does have a narrative through line. Granted, there's a lot of like independent scenes and I was watching an interview with, I think John Cleese,
0: mm-hmm. who was
1: talking about like the, the mentality First of all, like the way this film got written sounds kind of like these guys oh. were – they were living the life. Cause so they they had this idea to like, oh, well, like we kind of want to mock. Um, and I think the, the sort of the, – the story, so as they told – like Eric Idle I think tells it mm-hmm. or maybe Michael Palin. But he says like somebody asked us what we we're going to do next and, he, and then he said like, oh, uh, like Jesus Christ – um, lust for glory or something like that. And then they're like, well, like, well, what if we did like a, you know, like the same kind of approach we took with Arthur and we just did it with sort of life and times of Jesus. And so they, they went to literally, they kind of separated and they went to, they convened and I think they could, they convened and I think Barbados for like two weeks and basically hammered out the script. It was described as like script writing and water skiing.
0: That's Uh, the life.
1: (laughs) Right. I know. I want to like write scripts and go water skiing. I mean, I guess we're academics. We kind of do that, but these days, it's it's
0: yeah. These days, it's not as fun. <laughs> it's yeah. It's
1: like dissertation writing, at, or, or it's like dissertation writing and Netflix. Or yep,
0: that's about it <laughs> for me. It's, yeah,
1: job applications and Nintendo Switch. Uh, so yeah. So they, but they, they kind of came to the conclusion that. Like, Jesus himself is, like, not very funny. Like, there's not really a lot to...
0: Yeah, they couldn't do much with that. <laughs>
1: can't lampoon without just kind of being a, a dicks, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Because there's, like, you're going to make fun of a guy for, like, telling you to be nice to the poor. Like
0: Yeah, it's like, know. what are you supposed to do with that?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then, like, the idea sort of emerged of, like, that it's kind of almost a very sort of stoppered esque it's like around in between like his life is there as a framework mm-hmm. but it's really about this other character Brian who was maybe originally he was like 13th apostle or something like that or like yeah. you know this guy he's like on the fringe of you know the foundation of sort of the one of the world's biggest religions today and mm-hmm. just kind of like operating in the background
0: <laughs> he was the stable like two doors down or something he was mm-hmm. born in the <laughs> yeah the same night. And it, it,
1: it but the – so the, I think the, the talking point, I was taking the very circuitous, you know, way. Like I stopped over at Brian's manger to to yeah. give all the wrong gifts over to the wrong right. baby. And I was, every when I think about the scene, I just think of like the, the jokes are coming. so like, so what is he then? And he's like, a uh, Capricorn. Uh, what are they like? And he's like, well, he's the son of God. It's like, oh, is that all Capricorns? And he's like, no, just him. No, uh,
0: it's great. It's gold. Yeah, it's, I,
1: It's it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But the idea that this movie is kind of, this movie is coming on, well, I guess maybe it's at least a decade after the sort of high point of like Hollywood sort of epic sword and sandal, Mm -hmm. either sort of classical and or biblical films. Yeah. Like, like Ben-Hur is the one that jumped to mind, but there's other ones like Ten Commandments and Quo Mm Vadis where, you know, it's like, it's, it's the same deal where you have characters that are sort of in the life and times of Jesus Christ. And then maybe like, like I think in Ben-Hur, he like encounters Jesus and Jesus like gives him water. (laughs) And then he has this like reverence. And those movies are, are 100%, like we kind of always say, movies about the past really are saying more about their present. For sure. And I and I think this this movie like one hundred percent gets that. Yes. But because those films, I think, are really playing into a sort of mid century conservative Cold War era.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I think there there is no accident that the religious element of these films is drummed up when you you know we're juxtaposing ourselves against the supposedly godless commies. For sure. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of riffing off that like kind of like. Sort of, you know, the 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 reverential aspect of those films. But then, in one interview, I, I, I was watching. I spent basically my morning watching interviews of John Cleese, uh, <laughs> and Michael Palin, and Eric Idle. But he was saying that this has kind of always been a thing in in Monty Python's comedy to just take historical settings and just put for them, modern British, like contemporary British people, just plug them into that setting. So you've got, you know, the Arthurian, but they're, but they're like, well, I didn't vote for you. Or like, or, or, you know, like the the sermon on the Mount happens at about tea time. Right. Yeah. And just inserting these like modern British voices into some sort of historical setting. And then like, that's a lot of comedy. And and that's in flying circus too. Like you see it everywhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So is that then all like the the factionalism that they make fun of with like the Judean People's Front and the People's Front of Judea? It's like mm-hmm. all of these factionalist politics mm-hmm. in like contemporary British politics was certainly dramatic at that time. And yeah, like the, ideologies. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny.
1: Yeah that that that's exactly it. I mean that's one. I mean I think that's one of the elements that often get sort of overlooked. In this film's like because this film takes a lot of swipes at a lot of people oh, yeah. and everybody tends to dwell on the the christian issue
0: mm-hmm.
1: but but like they're they, i think they're they're really like one of the one of the main groups in their crosshairs is kind of far left sort of different sort of political organizations
0: yeah the
1: way it's like yeah yeah like you said like the people's front of judea versus the <laughs> judean people's front and the and they're all just all the other ones are splitters and they yes, just can't like no one can which is i mean something that i think is also is happening I think in contemporary America as we're recording this of just sort of progressive (laughs) and left-leaning groups who like are having a real hard time really kind of converging and and like yeah and and standing up to say like maybe an oppressive fascistic regime but uh, let's not sort of (laughs) let's not seek too many parallels there yeah yeah
0: that's that's fine It's just a little too close to home.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're going to like, we're going to walk that, we're going to try and walk that line respectfully and tastefully. But on the point, I had one sort of point in a modern, another sort of more recent comparison to bring, because I was thinking, as I was thinking about this film, thinking about the triangulation of Life of Brian, and the sort of movies like Mm -hmm. Ben-Hur, where Life of Brian is sort of the space balls of Ben-Hur, for lack of a better comparison. Then there's, like, a movie, like, I don't know, if did you ever see Hail Caesar, the Coen Brothers film?
0: I did not.
1: Oh, it's great. Uh, I mean, I really like the Coen Brothers films, even the, like, I, I really like going into, they have a very, people have accused them of being misanthropic, of okay. having, like, a pretty, like, like dismal view of people generally.
0: Right.
1: Maybe. And, like, there's there also films, like, I think if you really want to, like, get into the Coen head headspace, you watch um, A Serious Man. Do you know that one? No. It's like a, it's, it's kind of like a modern Job, but it's like, that. Oh, okay. it's it's sort of based on their life growing up in like Minnesota, I think in the sixties or Michigan. No, I think it's Michigan. Okay. And it's like growing up basically a Jewish community in Michigan and this guy's life basically falls apart and he like seeks answers <laughs> and he's like confronted with like nothing and like everything just kind of goes <laughs> to hell around him.
0: Sounds depressing. I don't think I need that right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's it's, if you find that kind of humor funny, it's, it's, but anyways, the, the point I'm, the point I'm getting to is, is in Hail Caesar is like set while like the backdrop of that film is they're filming like a Ben-Hur type right. movie. Mm-hmm. And there's a part at the very end of the movie where George Clooney, who's, who's the actor playing the sort of like Charlton Heston type, sure you know, like big leading man and and like, it's like a Roman soldier who like encounters Christ and has a religious awakening and like suddenly is like brought towards the truth and he gives this like big long speech <laughs> about like seeing light and truth and like you know like encounter having like a basically an epiphany and then as he's giving the speech and like it that's the movie is cutting away to like the sort of like crew and all the cast are kind of like you can see that like they're kind of cut like they're they're they're, they're sort of falling in with the speech and like you know, he's like having a, this moment and then he blanks on the very last word of his monologue, which is, he's like, he's like, we just need, we just need to find. And then like the director's like, faith, you need to find faith. <laughs> and he like blanks on the last word and then he's like, ah, I get it. And then they just kind of like the whole, like the, 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 the patina or whatever, yeah. it just like, drops away.
0: Everything crumbles.
1: Yeah. And it's like, that's a, I think a similar movie just in the sense that it's, it has the the mind space of the kind of, like unironically or like overly sincere, biblical esque, right? Roman mm-hmm. classical storytelling, and then kind of you know sort of maybe not tearing it down necessarily, but like sort of poking holes, it, in the, yeah, post, yeah, 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 like 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 tarnishing the facade.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it also has a great song and dance number by uh, Channing Tatum, um, <laughs> who plays a uh, he's like a communist musical theater actor.
0: I'll just make a plug. We
1: we should we we're gonna we we're, we're gonna have to talk about that movie. I think at one point I think we should. It's, it's okay. fun. It's not really about the past, but it's about the way modernity. You well, it's among other that. things. It's about classic Hollywood, but sure. ancient yeah, ancient Rome factors in. Okay, but yeah, so I like totally went on a huge rant. Um, <laughs> there's also a great scene in that movie that I watched like four times today where. <laughs> Josh Brolin's kind of like the main, he's the fixer. He's like this Eddie yeah. Mannix character. He's like this classic Hollywood sort of fixer, basically, for lack of a better word. And he brings in all like a like a a rabbi and like a Catholic priest and a and a Protestant priest and like an Orthodox priest to, like, make sure that the script for the movie is, like, above board and isn't going to offend anyone. Oh, my God. And then, like, it just, like, like the first note that he gets back is one of the priests goes, like, well, I thought the part where he jumps from the moving chariot was a little unrealistic. And <laughs> he's just, like, well, all right, noted. But, like, let's talk about, like...
0: Let's talk about the religion.
1: Yeah, like, what about the Jesus stuff? And then, like, the rabbi, like, because it's a Coen <laughs> Brothers movie, the rabbi has a lot of really, like, kind of hot, like, biting takes. Oh, yeah. It's a great scene. You should just watch it independently. <laughs> But yeah. So, yeah. Do you want to start with the the blasphemy thing or should we sure. end or just get that out of the way?
0: Yeah, we can get that out of the way. I think okay. I think that's actually a really interesting thing to like read about them writing the movie because mm-hmm. it seems like they have all had conversations about what they think like the tone of the movie is and like what it means to them. And how it's not blasphemy because it's they're not like attacking people's actual belief, but it's heresy because they're attacking like the dogma Mm -hmm. of what these people put their faith in, which I think is so smart. And it's kind of it was like a joy to go read Mm -hmm. about their arguments about the movie. It just kind of made me want to watch the movie again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I think that is like where the where that's the fine line that the movie i think navigates that like so like a lot of like people that criticize the film generally they and, and and this was i think like this was the the argument that i heard from my mother i remember but they when they criticize the film it's they say it's because it's making fun of jesus or god god which yeah and like they say it doesn't and there's an interview you can been maybe an hour long maybe a little shorter you can get find it on youtube but there's a 1979 interview with them basically having an argument and they have an across from a, a, a an English Bishop mm, and yeah. he's like a journalist, but basically two like very old conservative guys yeah. who say that it's like, you're making fun of Jesus. And like, they, they get really fixated particularly on the, on the crucifixion scene at the end and kind of the sermon on the Mount. Cause I mean, one of the things like, I think before I even, before I knew I thought, you know, I heard that this movie sort of mocks Christ or whatever. And then when I saw it, I was like, does it? Yeah. <laughs> because he's barely in it and he doesn't really do anything and it's it's all about the people sort of around him
0: exactly yeah
1: and 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 i and like sort of my my sort of working theory is and i think they would say that like it is the movie is making fun of the sort of dogmatic followers of organized Mm -hmm. religion or you know the thesis of the movie is probably in that scene where Brian has to address the crowd. And he goes, you have to think for yourselves. You're all individuals. Like, I think (laughs) if ever there was a thesis statement in the film, it's
0: that they all chorus back. We are (laughs) individuals."
1: Exactly. And like, I think it's critics often, I think they do a a conflation Mm -hmm. of like, if you're criticized, because I think the movie is criticizing like those kinds of people. And, and they're going to be like, well, if the movie is criticizing me, ergo, it's criticizing jesus right or my religion or or what uh, or you know god or whatever which i think there's a logical fallacy there yeah but but yeah like they yeah exactly they sort of describe the movie as mocking sort of people who like like the whole sequence where he sort of accrues the followers and they I sort of take of, little
0: yeah bring that up because that has stood out to me this past viewing like more than it has before and how mm-hmm. just like the mob following him is immediately like drawn into two different factions of like one, Mm. does one have like his shoe or something? Yeah. The
1: gourd and the shoe. Those are the two. Those are, that's the great schism of this, of this, this religion. You know, it's not about whether the, the the Trinity is one or three discrete parts or, you know, whether or not priests should, you know, you can pay a priest to absolve you or, um, what what are the other sort of big schisms and what are the Donatists about? I don't even remember. I think the the uh arian the arian christians the they were the ones about the they were the yeah yeah whether <laughs> whether christ is god is the same as god or god is of or of the god same like. stuff that's yeah. good very little context yeah very famously there's a passage in greek in the new testament where there's basically uh there's the, the question of whether there's a letter i in the word and whether i think it's christ whether he's homoios mm-hmm. as god which is like the same as god or whether he's uh homos like he's the or no the homos is like he's the same
0: mm-hmm.
1: as god like indistinguishable. Homoios, whether he's like of the same sort
0: right yeah
1: and that has led to oh,
0: huge know. huge debates
1: yeah. whole <laughs> different branches of of christianity that yeah. have come and gone anyways
0: but yeah the shoe and the gourd yeah really stood out to me and not here.
1: to again, we are recording just for context for our listeners we're recording this on january 16th 2021 Um, you know a time when nothing is nothing has been happening in the news so i don't want to necessarily read too far into a a crowd of followers who sort of take snippets of a their prophet's word and then factionalize and then sort of run and just run with their own interpretations of it
0: yep (laughs)
1: Again, yeah, no no parallels there.
0: None
1: at all. Uh, but, but yeah, like like they, and like just to the point where they're like putting words, you know, the bit where they're like, they're like, he is the Messiah. He's like, I'm not the Messiah. And like only the true Messiah would divine, would deny his divinity. And he goes, okay, then I am the Messiah. And they're like, there, he admits it. And like just that kind of like, that, the sort of like coaxing or massaging mm-hmm. of reality yep. into your own ideological framework yep. is what this is. I think the core tenet or the yeah. core sort of critique of this movie.
0: Yes,
1: for sure. Because, uh, yeah, this movie this movie famously was accused of blasphemy. And mm-hmm. this, I mean, I think today, like, blasphemy is not necessarily a thing that we audiences in 2021 necessarily did doesn't have as much sort of significance as I think it did in, say, Britain in the 70s. Yeah. We also, the United States, this movie, I think, was aired first in the United States because we didn't have any blasphemy laws. Like, in
0: yeah, England. <laughs> and wasn't it banned in Sweden or banned in uh, Norway? Yeah, it was
1: banned in Ireland, Norway, and Italy. And thirty-nine British councils either banned it or gave it an X certificate. And that is a quote from Michael Palin. <laughs> yes, it was. I mean, the be- the best story to come out of that is, of course, once Norway bans it, Sweden next door starts advertising it as the movie that was too funny for Norway,
0: which I love. Um,
1: <laughs> so yeah, I think funny. that's pretty fun. Yeah.
0: That's
1: that's that's a that's good. <laughs>
0: Well, I feel like it must have given it like some like good publicity out of like being so scandalous because Mm -hmm. I feel like any movie that's supposed to be too incendiary or too inflammatory, it's like, I don't know. Some people are always going to want to see that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, that was, I feel like the allure of say the Da Vinci Code, which I think has has not an iota of the kind of (laughs) wit of this movie or, or cleverness.
0: Agreed.
1: <laughs> and yeah, cuz the the
0: Oh, people took that way too seriously.
1: <laughs> I read the Da Vinci Code I think expressly because with Pope Benedict. Yeah, Pope Benedict like was like this book is heresy and then the minute that I mean, for me I'm like, well, like I don't want to see what the heresy's all about. Yeah. And I was like this is what people are getting worked up about exactly, this like Exactly, yeah. This yeah. fiction crime drama where you know somebody discovers a and it, and it's not even like Dan Brown was really making up a lot of I mean, like there's I mean, he was making up a lot of stuff. That's that's not actually I never mind.
0: That's a whole nother like road that we don't have to go down. (laughs) I I have no
1: hot takes really on Dan Brown, other than that he's done great for the tourism industry in Italy in Rome and Paris. Yeah. But yeah, I had a quote that I found from from Michael Palin in one of his I think it was an article. Or an, yeah, it was an article that he wrote in The Guardian where he said, I was very proud that we achieved that much of a reaction. They were the people we were after, those who blindly follow religious dictates and don't think for themselves. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think on a, I don't really have much more to say on the, the sort of religious, Ben, other than that I think the, the people that get upset and accuse this movie of blasphemy are the exact people that this movie is kind of mocking. Mm-hmm. And my personal take is that they sort of... just there's a sort of narcissism in that kind of view because they're saying criticism of me is criticism of jesus Uh, and i can't (laughs) see the distinguishing between the two which is sort of just feeding in there's a lack of iron and again like people not not realizing their own irony or hypocrisy no modern parallels Yep, that's all i got
0: (laughs) yep nope good with that
1: (laughs) all right so let's get into what i really wanted to talk about with this movie which is basically the way this movie treats, depicts ancient Rome, <laughs> and like Rome and and just like life in Roman Judea in thirty uh, something AD. Yep. Because um, like I was sort of saying the I really I remember the point I was going to say earlier about the writing process of this movie that didn't make it, but. That basically just, like, the we were talking about the skit nature, that, like, the way they described writing this movie is, like, basically thinking of a bunch of different skits and yeah. then <laughs> tying it to sort of together with a kind of narrative and, like, trying to connect right. the dots and see where everything lines up. But anyways, this movie was filmed in Tunisia, which apparently a lot of movies at the time were it was Tunisia because they, they didn't want to film it in Catholic countries. Like, they were considering Spain and somewhere else or the, the Middle East for other sort of... Issues and so they they literally sort of glommed onto the set of an Italian film that had just been uh, shot in Monastir, Tunisia, for uh, Franco uh, Zeffirelli's Jesus of Nazareth, like which came out two years prior.
0: Well, I mean, it works pretty yeah. well. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, how do you like the how do you like the the Rome the, the Roman Roman Jerusalem?
0: I mean, seems legit enough for their purposes, I guess. <laughs> it- kind of, you know, like a like a a dirty old city which is what we sort of expect a lot of dirty old cities look like. Like, Rome Mm -hmm. was probably gross and crumbly and smelly and uh, (laughs) yeah, same. So, you know decent.
1: (laughs) They, yeah Uh, yeah, they kind of moved in. I think uh, just reading sort of notes on this film that, so Terry Jones directed this but Terry Gillum was kind of the sort of look- Designer, for lack of a better word, getting the sort of look and feel of this movie. But yeah, it ha- I mean, it has, I guess really it's like, it. F- I think someone, one of their interviews, like it feels authentic enough to be like, yeah, whatever. Because yeah. also yeah. it's really like the touch point, I think, is not even so much like a historical... Roman province or whatever, but really like the movies 20 years prior or 10 years prior that were, you know, like they have that kind of, and you see this in Hail Caesar too, like there's a kind of particular costume Uh of, you know, like a Roman soldier in a movie like that, you know, they've got like there's like a particular look, and you can kind of tell like their their, their armor and, and helmets and stuff are like kind of plastic or yep,
0: like. Yeah, and they kind of bend when they walk. <laughs> yeah, they're like aluminum. <laughs> yeah. Kind
1: of like in the film Immortals, same thing. Oh my
0: God, that was so bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, but there's just floppy floppy helmets and, and swords that kind of wiggle yeah, uh, exactly. when you shake them.
0: <laughs> but they kind of lean into that, like the campiness yeah. of it, mm-hmm. which, especially for just like the tone of the movie, I think works very mm-hmm. well. Yeah.
1: uh yeah, so like the yeah, because yeah, it is sort of like it's silly, and, but they, we were sort of saying how like it Monty Python's sort of approach to a sort of period piece is just to insert a 1970s British people into yep. that and like milk <laughs> it for the for the comedy. and I, yeah. I think that that really works. And I think like my in, impression is like their vision of the Roman world is basically like their how, how did I, what, where, how did I phrase this? Rome as it, it's like their Rome is Rome as it would have been experienced by a sort of British schoolboy in like mid-century England, mid 20th century that.
0: English. Yes.
1: <laughs> Which because there's like probably our t- in on, in our field there is there are two scenes that sort of shine out the most, yep. and it is 100 percent the way you would probably have experienced the classics if you grew up if you went to like a preparatory school in yep. England in say the 50s or something like that.
0: Yep. It's just great. I, it makes me smile every time. The graffiti scene.
1: <laughs> yeah. The, it, when he goes and, and gets the, I think every Latin teachers have been showing the scene to their classes for probably 40 years now.
0: Years and years and years.
1: Yeah. And I, I have it probably memorized. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, Romanes Aeunt Domos. And like, People call Romans, they, they go, go house. The house.
0: <laughs> it says Romans go home. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just it. yeah, the idea of like, what case should Roman, like, what's the, what's the gen, what's the nominative plural of Romans? And like, but go, is was an order. So yeah, I, I did this in, I was teaching, I was teaching a Greek class one summer, and they just had, the class had a, just a, they, they, they would miss imperative verbs, sort of, you know, it's just something that would, that would trip them up yeah. kind of frequently. And I would, I kind of like, but go, was an order. So you have to use the, the imperative, like the way he like squeaks it. He's like,
0: imperative. Oh, good. Yeah. I think about
1: that constantly. Yeah. No,
0: I always use it if I ever have to teach the locative case. Because mm-hmm. it's like domus is one of the f- the few words that uses a locative. And so it's yes. like, <laughs> it's like, locative, locative, this, like little shrieking yeah. voice. And now write it mm-hmm. 500 times or whatever he says.
1: Yeah. yeah. And like, which is probably yeah. how, I mean.
0: Probably how that would happen.
1: <laughs> yeah. If, you know, so yeah, I think we as a field have have moved away from this. The style of learning Latin, but there was a time in a place where you would learn Latin by just sitting in a room with with twelve other British school children or something, and and they would just somebody would just kind of be up there at the board, just being like puella, 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 puellam, puella, and you just like remembered like charts of words, yeah, and recited it and wrote it down on the board like eight billion
0: times. Sounds like torture.
1: No, I think, I I think that, I mean, I think John Cleese in particular has like in that interview, he talks about like how much he hated his like education because he thought it was like, (laughs) you know, like stifling and, you know, just kind of, and I'm sure it was like that, like learning Latin was probably like just sort of a form of of torture, you know, just, just sort of remembering like patterns for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. We don't, I mean, there are patterns in Latin, but most of us these days do not teach Latin that way. (laughs) But there is like a through line, like there's like that the DNA is like still there sometimes, yep. Yep. and there's I think in our field we've been having a lot of like discussions about like pedagogy of ancient languages and the form it needs to take. That's not that's not what this podcast is about, though. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like the the, the 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 Latin scene is is kind of wonderful. Classic. The other joke few I was really I say two scenes I was because the other one I was thinking of is the what have the Romans done for us? Yeah. But that, well, because of that, that's the scene. We should talk about that scene because that's okay. kind
0: of... It's cool. a little bit more complicated because yeah. I feel like that's, so what, what they're like listing all of the things that's like, we hate the Romans. They're terrible. They're awful. What have they ever done for us? And he's like, well, what about the roads? The roads are nice. It's like, oh, well, what about, what about all of the like policing or what else? The yeah, product, I mean? education,
1: yeah, not- sanitation. <laughs> Yeah, and wine, roads, you know, whatever.
0: I, I don't know. It's kind of like, well, um, what? Like, it, yeah, it but, strikes me as a little uh, upsetting.
1: <laughs> yes, well, because it's basically an apology for imperialism, yeah. which is sort of rich coming from a British, British context. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then when you think of it, you know, it, would make, it makes complete sense for British, or like for like a British people sort of generally to sort of try to apologize. Yeah. yeah, justify their own imperialism by saying this is what the – by, by constructing this narrative that, like, Rome comes to your t- – you know, when the Romans come to your village, yeah. if you live in, you know, Germania or Judea or Spain or Algeria or wherever the hell you are. Yeah. And the Romans come and then you're you were living in a mud hut and now you've got paved streets and clean water and wine and education and all that stuff, which is – how do we say this? Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's this whole, this very old school also like opinion of Romanization is that like when yes. the Romans sort of put their stamp on people and places that they suddenly become more civilized for lack mm-hmm. of a better term. And that we know, especially archaeologically, is just such bullshit. That's not how mm-hmm. humans work. That's not how politics work. That's not how technology works. So there, there were certainly paved roads before Romans, Romans yeah. made a lot and of paved roads, but there were certainly aqueducts before Romans. Romans just happened to make a lot of aqueducts as well. But yeah, no, mm-hmm. it's, mm.
1: they, <laughs> uh, wait, wait, I was like, was like Rome itself. Like there's this, you know, we have this image of like the Romans, the Greeks too, and the Rome, and then later the Romans sort of coming to the field and just being like light years above everyone else. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, they've got laws and law codes and engineering and science and whatever that other people just, you know, didn't have, which is like you said, like we have empirical evidence to the contrary. There was aqueducts and plumbing in ancient Persia, Mm
0: -hmm. sort
1: of advanced sort of uh medicine and science, like particularly particularly in the Eastern Mediterranean, the Near East. Yeah. In a lot of ways the Romans themselves were sort of behind the times Mm -hmm. for most for much of their history. Yeah. I mean, you probably you know, but like as I understand it, you could confirm or deny that like archaeological evidence for early early Rome is very faint.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not like a an early early Rome person, uh, so I don't think that's where my strengths really lie. But no, there's like there's certainly a difference between early things we might call Roman and then Etruscans mm-hmm. who were mm-hmm. painting, you know, lavish tombs and were trading with the Greeks and like had this really awesome, you know, writing system going on. And yeah. So just to say that like everything the Romans did was better, Mm -hmm. just so not true. In fact, they like stole a bunch of technology from other people.
1: Yeah. Um, That's most, much, much of their sort of contributions, if we can call them that are sort of uh, adopted were taken from sort of other cultures as yeah. they encountered them. They weren't sort of original around. I mean, even the Romans themselves had this, if you, I'm, I'm coming from my sort of background in, in literature, but have this sort of cultural anxiety, particularly as it pertains to, to Greeks, but, but it extends, I think, more broadly of just being like, well, like the, if, you know, like all our, our art and our poetry and, and things like that is, it's very, it's still like we're behind them. Like we're, we are following them in that respect, which is like, well, we they sort of pay tribute to us. So like, yeah. what's going on? Like, should we be better at all things? Cicero has some, you know, he he basically, Cicero basically says, like, well, it's easy to win against someone who wasn't fighting back. Like, we just weren't trying at that stuff at the time. <laughs> we were worrying about being manly men, farming and, and you know, uh, sure. cultivate cultivating honor <laughs> and virtue. So the Greeks were getting into all that other stuff. And then now we were going to catch up and we're going to be better at them at their own game. But yeah, like, the, so this particular portrayal of you know rome's impact in the world is like i think more influenced by british excuses for imperialism
0: yeah but probably it's it's also just like an old school historic like
1: yeah historical methodology
0: i guess mm -hmm. is the idea of romanization Mm -hmm. is is something that we have Really debunked recently, I guess. Yeah, because
1: as my sort of uh, outsider, simplistic understanding, because once you start pulling apart the threads, like the things that are really Roman and aren't Roman is uh, yeah. like mm-hmm.
0: there are so many gray areas that it's no.
1: Mm-hmm. It's 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 probably but it's probably how if again to get back to the British school system is how you probably would have been taught about Rome.
0: I'm sure. exactly, yeah. They would see a lot of. Um, their own imperialism reflected in what they would think about Mm -hmm. Roman's imperialistic tendencies. So I'm sure that's exactly where that's coming from.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of the, there's a scene in Last of the Mohicans where one of the, Duncan Hayward, the sort of British officer, he says like, I thought English policy was to make the world England. There's like that kind of, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a couple hundred years of, of British sort of colonial and imperial agenda. Yeah. Uh, it's a very sort of Rudyard Kipling esque mm, take on yep. international relations. Mm-hmm. But where is it going to say? Where is it going with this? The other, well, it's because we meet a few Romans themselves, yep. though.
0: Who are not <laughs> I guess, portrayed terribly no. well.
1: <laughs> no. It's, <laughs> it's Pontius Pilate, most famously. Yeah. Um, I I don't even like what the what the what the logic. I mean, I love it. I think it's hilarious. Oh, but the it's logic so funny. was because I guess like to come back to the round? So like if we're gonna read, this is probably maybe we're, we're we're taking this like more critically than the movie really ought to be taken at. But like if we <laughs> run with this analogy that like yeah. say the Romans in this context are sort of British imperialists or something mm-hmm. like that. The decision to make them all have like lisps and. <laughs> I have a very good friend in WOM. I mean, part of it is just, I think it's just comedy for comedy. I think they just thought it would be really funny yeah. to have Pontius Pilate <laughs> get up and be like, Woman, just like him very roughly. <laughs> oh.
0: It gets me every time.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, and I think it's like crude and like dumb as it is. Like, I don't think I, if you said like biggest dickus.
0: <laughs> it's I never not could, going to be funny. It's so yeah.
1: Funny. Uh,. I don't know. <laughs> the <laughs> biggest tooth. <laughs> oh
0: yeah so yeah the the romans themselves are not portrayed very well at all and like the soldiers seem really inept like when they when they knock on they the just, door and they're like no there's nobody in here they're like oh all right
1: <laughs> there just seems to be like extreme apathy or yeah. like because a lot of times it's like like so like the sort of guerrilla left wing freedom fighter groups like like they have the scene where they're trying to invade uh, and like kidnap Pilate's wife, and they and they run into the other group. I forget who it is, like the Galilean something. Yeah, like... and, and they they and then I mean that's there's the joke there where there's like we should be fighting we should be fighting our common enemy, and they're like yes, the People's Front of Judea, or or the Judean I forget which one it is. I know. Um, <laughs> it's the Judean People's Front or the People from of Judea. One of them is just one old guy.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and yeah, just these like groups, and they can't. And then the Roman soldiers come in, and they're just like kind of like. But yeah, so we meet Pontius Pilate, who's just kind of silly, and and the crowd like he addresses the crowd, and they're all just like mocking him to his face, yep. like tell him to, telling him to release Waja, um, <laughs> and then his friend Biggest Dickish shows up, that... <laughs> who's I forget what his deal. Uh, what does he, say? he? What's he talk like?
0: Oh, I forget. He's funny though. <laughs>
1: uh, and like famously, that's that scene where they, I think they had the extra, whoever the the extras were. I don't, this may not be true, but I heard in some version that the extras were actually like military personnel or something like that, that they got to be on set. You know, just some like British soldier. Yeah. But they like that they, they were the the extras were told explicitly like not to laugh. You know, with like Michael Palin getting in your face and being like, biggest Uh And you could see there's like that one guy his like face is like he's making the best face because he could tell he's like trying so hard. Um, but there is like, well there is I was thinking like I was having my sort of overly professorial moment of the scene where Brian where after when he escapes the romans and he escapes via alien interaction yeah. intervention <laughs> um Which I think is just like, the if I remember somewhere, that the writers literally were like, we don't know how to get him out of this situation, so like, what's the most (laughs) absurd thing that could happen?
0: Aliens. Yeah,
1: he falls into an alien spaceship, and then it turns into like Star Wars for five minutes.
0: And then they're right back into it.
1: (laughs) And then he falls right exactly back into it. But the scene where he sort of lands, and there's all those people in like the market or the forum or whatever it was, and they're... They're like, they're all like sort of proselytizing. Like they're all just giving yeah. all these different sort of speeches, which to my mind, like that's actually like maybe.
0: That's probably
1: legit. Yeah. Like to, to some point, like what, not maybe the specific, you know, dogma that they're about to sure. use. Not a, a nine bladed sword. Um, <laughs> but like, well, that was the thing in, in the ancient world of constantly. That's what like a lot of philosopher types yeah, would do. Like yeah. in Greek context where you you would go, and we have bits about this from Roman texts and, and other Greek words of, and like the Satyricon, I think mentions this by mm-hmm. Petronius of like, you basically want to go and drum up because there wasn't necessarily like a particular, like an organized sort of school system necessarily, but you would go to like the market or the agora, or the forum or wherever you were. And you basically just start like speaking on the street and then you are trying to attract students. You're basically like giving a pitch and then if you can get enough students, then you can sort of, you know, make some money for yourself. Yeah. And yeah, like we have jokes about this, about in like the satiric on of people that do this, that they go and they basically try to like, you know, it, it's almost like it's the way in that text, it's sort of portrayed. It's almost like those like get which get get which quick schemes. Yeah. Now I'm talking like Pontius Pilate, get rich sort of uh, <laughs> like sort of quick scans where it's like subscribe to my program and like right. you're going to be making like, you know, money. It's like, it's exactly like that. It's, it's like like, like t- something. <laughs> yeah, no, it, for sure. Like in the same way that people are like, I'm thinking about there's a scene from The Simpsons where this guy like tells you how to, you see, like, he tells you how to get rich. He's like, "You got to squeeze every penny." It's like, it's like this tuxedo I'm wearing. Someone died in it. <laughs> like, it's all like just these little like scams or like you know tricks on how to get rich. And like you would go to say a market and be like, "Oh, like study oratory with me, and I can teach you how to argue anything. You can win every argument. You can sort of become a great public speaker and you know have a successful political career or whatever." Uh, but, but, and also sort of simultaneously is particularly in sort of the Roman, the Eastern part of the Mediterranean, there was also a lot of just different sort of cults and religions yeah. that are kind of prop cropping up at this time. For sure. And a little bit later, Christianity kind of being the biggest sort of product of this era,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but there were other ones like Mithras was a, a popular Mithras. cult. Mithras. Everyone loves Mithras. He's so great. One <laughs> not to so love like a guy kills a bull. There's a secret initiate order,
0: <laughs> and it's a, it's very similar to Christianity in that it has this very like like good versus evil framework where mm-hmm. it's like yeah. he's like the some maybe affiliated with like a sun god or like yeah. he's the light and he has to kill the bull of. Night or mm-hmm. something and something
1: like that. Dark. It's also I think of it like it's kind of like Scientology, where like there's all these like <laughs> secret levels, and like you can go to like they have these there's archaeological remains of these like the church or I don't know what you call them uh, temples
0: temple yeah mithray where there you go yeah
1: yeah exactly um and it's like there's like a there's like an order and there's all these like symbols on the floor and that you advance up like as you yeah. advance up you're like initiated with more and more secrets.
0: So cool. That one's in Ostia, right? It's on the floor.
1: Yeah, I think there's one in Ravenna too.
0: Cool, those are so that's like a later fun. one.
1: It's really and there's like really cool sort of frescoes. Like, did you see? It's like I remember. It's like him killing a bull, and there's also like a scorpion there. I think that helps. And maybe some, maybe a dog. Yeah, or he has like, like a little
0: dog that's always there, and he's wearing like a what's the hat that he wears.
1: Oh yeah, the one that I know exactly what you're talking about, but I forget what it's we're gonna like emba- we're again professionally embarrassing ourselves with our lack of knowledge. We took graduate comp exams.
0: <laughs> we know
1: these we know this stuff. We know these But yeah, that it's like it's like the one that like it kind of it's like a it's like a reverse elf hat. Yeah. Like it sort of it comes up and curls and curves forward.
0: Yeah. It's awesome. It looks great. Yeah.
1: Soul Invictus was another one. That one I think has a lot of overlaps with Christianity.
0: For sure.
1: Isis from Egypt. Yep. That's a lot of these, a lot of them have sort of like themes of like they're kind of secret orders, or like there's like a salvation element to them, where like you join and then you're going to be, you're going to get some sort of secret knowledge or access to like maybe an afterlife element, yeah. key to salvation. That or like
0: kind of instructions thing. on how to like navigate the afterlife. I'm thinking mm-hmm. of those like little gold tablets that had like instructions written on them. We find them in sarcophagi sometimes. They're like mm-hmm. and then walk through the door and. It's
1: really cool <laughs> oh that's why that's really
0: fun i know
1: <laughs> i was thinking also this i forget where this came up oh i was, i remember i was literally talking to my dungeons and dragons group and somebody <laughs> brought this up and this was a non like these were non these were like other just friends not people in my field but like the first one of the first depictions of like a crucifix is like graffiti or graffito in pompeii of a guy with uh, it's like a guy on a cross but he's got a donkey head
0: that's
1: awesome. <laughs> and it says, Alex Seminos praised to his God in Greek. It says it in Greek, but I'm pretty sure, I, I, I think it's in Pompeii. I'm like 90% sure it's from Pompeii. That's cool. I can look it up. Hang on. It's, it's, and it's like definitely, it's like some, I spelled Alex Seminos wrong. <laughs> yeah, the Alex Seminos graffiti, Roman graffito. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's from the Palatine. And so it's made like, I think the running interpretation that it's like some, kid like like it's like by some some kid in like a who like someone in his class maybe is like a christian and he like he's just kind of like oh, that kid with a weird religion <laughs> making fun of the kid with the weird religion that's like what it was <laughs> oh p- school children are, are great
0: so mean <laughs> that's yeah, great, oh. i love that
1: <laughs> it's the picture is, is kind of is kind of hilarious
0: okay i'm gonna look it
1: up dates yeah we don't i don't it, it hasn't been dated but any i mean it runs anywhere between 1st 3rd century i think
0: oh my god that's so funny
1: yeah right
0: i'm impressed with this actually it looks like a person with a donkey head like
1: yeah cultural sensitivity was not really a thing that they were uh, trained on <laughs> um, but yeah but yeah there's there's this this context of i mean this whole thing of just like people not really understanding like even like i think our earliest records talking about christians like a lot of the people don't really like, they have a very loose grasp of like what Christians sort of are and like what they do.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. (laughs) They're just kind of like, because also like it's, you know, we have this sort of um, this narrative that gets like reimposed, particularly in movies like Mm -hmm. Ben-Hur and other movies that, that life of Brian kind of makes fun of like this reverence and this sort of almost like predestination that Christianity is the sort of, is going to come through. And then if you were, but like, I think if you were there at the time, it may not necessarily would have jumped out. If you say we're living in, you know, Turkey or Greece or Italy or something like that in, like, 50 AD, you might run into, you might meet Christians, yeah. but you might meet, like, a hundred other different gods and, and belief exactly. systems. And, like, it wouldn't necessarily have jumped out to you as, like, no. later when there's there's sort of many, many Christians. But, yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know where to go from here.
1: Oh, shit, we're already at an hour.
0: <laughs> we have so many things to say.
1: <laughs> I mean, really, I could just quote the the Latin seed like over and over and over again, and like you know, I guess I think that that strikes it just strikes a tone if you've uh, ever taken a, ever taken Latin in your life, or yep. uh, it, it it'd be like that sometimes. It'd be like that.
0: <laughs> it's true.
1: Um, is my sort of final, the final point is kind of circling back around to just the the sort of thing we started about, which is, I don't know, is this movie still controversial today? Have we moved past it? Is it controversial in new ways?
0: Hmm. I'm sure there are still people who think that this is blasphemous, I -hmm. guess, or are offended by it. Mm -hmm. But I would hope that we can mostly be a little bit more critical of our <laughs> individuals. <Yeah. laughs> yes,
1: we can be individuals.
0: You are all individuals.
1: Okay, and yeah, I think I don't really have a I think I've like tapped out I think most no. of what I think about this movie.
0: I still super dig this movie. I think it's great. Yeah. It's hilarious. I think,
1: you know, even like the there's like there's some little parts of it that I'm like kind of like like that I find a little weird. Um, not every joke necessarily, but I think like by and large, I think this movie sort of insightful satire wins out over most other aspects of the, of the film. I mean, if anything, just for like, I mean, I think simultaneously it's criticism. On, it's really, it's like, I think they described it like this movie is critical of, of dogmatic belief, whether that is, of religious nature or whether you're in some sort of niche left wing progressive group that sort of is going to squabble with all other sort of similar groups, over like your particular sort of approach to whatever the, whatever something is. Yeah. Oh God, sorry. I thought I had one more. I thought about one more joke that I forget about, but I think it's actually kind of a great joke. <laughs> okay. When like Brian works as like a concessions boy in the arena oh, my God. and he's going around being like other nipples <laughs> and like, <laughs> like, um, uh, what, like squirrel beans, <laughs> and, like roasted like new. Eyeballs or like whatever the oh, whatever you. the heck you say. I think that's like, uh, and like simultaneously in the background, there's that guy being chased by the gladiator, <laughs> <It's> uh, <okay. laughs> and the gladiator like has a heart attack. But yeah, just because I mean that's the thing. Like where you, you're, you're sort of like the not until like I put you on the spot, but like Roman food, right?
0: Yeah, um, and I mean there's this sort of uh, I guess overarching like theme that really, really wealthy Romans ate like weird stuff which usually mm-hmm. gets boiled down to um just like some of the few recipes that we do have that are for like flamingo and mm-hmm. dormice or something I, um, I
1: was reading a bit of plenty uh plenty the elder the other day where he talks about that there's in spain there is a delicacy of like basically like rabbit fetus
0: i mean uh, sure it's i mean it's of- the logic of
1: it's it's the logic of foie gras and
0: exactly. Yeah.
1: pate and like that kind of stuff or For
0: sure. veal What's or... the other one?
1: escargot.
0: Yeah, so like things that are difficult to obtain or rare mm. or whatever sort of become something that is quote unquote delicious or Or even like stuff that's like
1: hard to eat?
0: Yeah, it's like it, like pull it apart or there's like little Yeah. Or whatever or yeah, and, I think like
1: lobster or like yeah. um like chicken le- chicken feet
0: But on like the opposite end of that, um, sometimes the things like lobster used to be something that you gave to like servants Mm -hmm. and poor people because there just used to be so many of them. And it was Mm -hmm. difficult to eat. Um, And it's only when they have become more rare that they are like (laughs) considered the, you know.
1: I just read this thing today, I think, that was talking about, like, in France, the potato was declared edible in, like, 1770-something, and it, had, it was because it was, like, some French guy, I think it was, like, a French doctor, he was imprisoned by, he was imprisoned by the Prussians, who basically made him eat potatoes, because they thought potatoes was only good for, like, cattle feed.
0: That's hilarious.
1: And then he was, like, and then he came out of the whole thing, he's like, actually, I feel kind of fine, like... Um, And I think like that's true. Like if you just if you ate mostly potatoes, you probably wouldn't be overly malnourished. Right. Like don't they have most of.
0: Yeah, no, that's why that's why they were um, such like a huge monopoly in Ireland before the Great potato famine is because you can actually get a decently like well-rounded nutritional profile from potato plus some other things.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I think somebody explained it was like potatoes plus milk and you have all your vitamins represented because the only thing potatoes lack is like A and D, which you can get in milk.
0: I do think though that like when the potato first came to like England and Europe and whatever, they didn't eat the tubers at first. They would like try to eat <laughs> leaves, which are not good for you.
1: <laughs> There's a story about this that I think it's Sir Walter Raleigh. He comes yeah. back from his, like, he comes back from Virginia and he comes, he, come, he brings like tobacco and, right. uh, and all this other stuff from, from North America and he has potato, he has like, a whole potato plant. Yep. And he's like, ah, oh, like the, the, you know, um, the the Native Americans like this this is like good to eat and so they're going to serve it to the Queen for dinner to Queen Elizabeth and uh the but the chef like just assumes that it's the leaves of the edible part not the yep. the tuber yep. but the leave yeah, the potato leaves are poisonous and so everybody at this dinner with the Queen and Walter Raleigh got like wicked food poisoning and like just like <laughs> just so. had a had a hell of a time and I think Walter Raleigh beat, like he it was a bit of a political fiasco for him um, because he was the guy that gave the queen diarrhea.
0: (laughs) But yeah, like in the Americas, people were eating potatoes forever and it was, you know, a huge Mm -hmm. source of their nutritional profile and it was awesome.
1: All right. Uh, I don't know how we got into the potato train. Romans did not have, (laughs) Romans uh, didn't have potatoes, but they did eat fried dormice sometimes. Some Romans.
0: Uh, Probably. Yeah
1: like somebody somebody ate it somebody
0: ate um, it either out of necessity or because they thought it was fancy either way <laughs> otter nipples,
1: otter nipples. <laughs> and then I forget, it's like somebody asks, like do you have any peanuts and he's like no and he's like oh because no. it's framed because it's framed in the movie as like i think john cleese he's like he's like i don't want any of that imperialist trash or something yeah. like that it's like i only have roman food um, the Roman food is like, is the otter. <laughs> yeah. Um, excellent. I hate the Romans. Um, uh, I think we should, we should really, we should, we should end on that. Probably. That's a good note. Awesome. I think we're coming back next week. We're probably, it looks like we're, we're actually, we're kind of pivoting into the classic. We're kind of going backwards with this. Like we're we sort are, of yeah. the movie that's making fun of the classic sword and sandals. And I think we're moving our way. Cause we're going to take our, take on our first, Classic Sword and Sandal, probably maybe next week mm-hmm. or next episode in Cleopatra, uh, really? which I haven't seen. There's a lot of these movies I haven't seen yet. I mm-hmm.
0: haven't seen. No, I've seen the big, like, her entrance into Rome because people yep. show that to classes all the mm-hmm. time. But that's it. I'm kind of excited.
1: All right. Uh, in that case, I'll leave you to it. Woo. Yeah, uh, this is we're, – we're slowly easing our way back into the show. It's been kind of – we've had some mid it all for various – Sort of holidays and conferences and um, political insurrections, but <laughs> but yeah, we're we're sort of getting back into it, and, and uh, hope with any luck, going to be producing this with some regularity. Woo. All right, thank you guys.
0: Bye guys.